welcome. It's another peer pressure segment. Today, my guest is Sally Crew. She's got a new record out called Later Than You Think. We'll be talking about that and some other fantastic things. I would encourage you to go to the original archive, which was October 8th because she has an amazing playlist, which you're not going to hear any of on this podcast. I would also encourage you to go to WFMU.org because we are in the middle of our silent fundraiser for the month of October. It's crunch time. We need to raise some money, and we know that you can help us do that. So please go to WFMU.org and pledge your undying love. You know, 50 bucks will get you a great t-shirt. We have some really nice swag this time around. And check out Sally's material on sallycrew.com. S-A-L-L-Y-C-R-E-W-E.com. So away we go. And I do believe that I have Sally on the line. Let me see. Hello, Sally. Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Hello. Hi. She is here. It's lovely to talk to you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm here, and so is my dog, who's decided it's playtime. So if he hears panting and jingling, I'll know it's, it's not you. me this time. It is you. It's my dog. Come on. That's a that <laughs> that's an an easy cover. <laughs> I might start panting and jingling later. Okay. Okay. When the music comes in, maybe or yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, um, you have a new record out. I do. Well, I do and I don't. I, it's out in the in the universe, but the actual we went with vinyl this time. Mm-hmm. The actual physical vinyl is still being birthed. <laughs> I have a record out, but my house is without actual copies of it. Wow! Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. And and so you're doing only vinyl. No, I'm doing I'm doing vinyl with a download code. So anyone who pre-ordered it already got the digital version, and it's on iTunes and everything. So it's the world's okay. The yes. world can hear the stuff. Yes, but it just it's a little bit anticlimactic. But you want your vinyl? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and so. this this is the first record. It's called Later Than You Think, and this is the first yeah. record that you've actually released on vinyl, right? Yeah, I've, the first album. I've I've done a couple of singles back in the back in the last century mm-hmm. when it didn't take <laughs> quite as long to press a record. But this is the first actual album, and I'm really really excited about it. And uh, I wish it would just get here. We got the test pressings. Oh, good. And so there's five copies in existence. So, so you far. gave you gave them the go ahead. Yeah, they I sound gave awesome. Them two big thumbs up. Yeah. And then, oh, and I saw that you posted on Facebook. You had a really cute uh, quote saying something like, "Maybe I should watch what I title my records." Of course, yeah, later I than you think. Maybe next time I call it sooner than you expected, not later than you think. Right, right. At least if it's coming out in vinyl, but it's okay. I'm not complaining. Oh no, but I, I and I didn't realize it. So there's no CD release on this one. No, uh-huh. no, because you can make your own CDs these days. You, can't you? can, yes, you can. And oh. folks, I would, I would, um, I would, I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of. I would encourage people to hold out for the vinyl. 
just well. That's very nice of you. Yeah, Diana. just for I you. Appreciate it. And um, <laughs> and so you're gonna have then you're gonna have a huge big twelve inch cover because I yes. love the co- the cover artwork. Yeah, the cover art is uh, by somebody called Tim Crowder. He's a, a painter. He lives in Memphis, and uh, he did the cover art for Transmit Receive, which is um, a couple of records ago. The the record we did with Doug Gillard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I was Googling for art for Transmit Receive, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to type Transmit slash Receive just to see what the Internet gods deliver. Oh, okay. And they delivered this a, a painting that this guy had done that was called Transmit slash Receive. And it was the... I loved it. I loved it. And I asked him if we could borrow it for the sleeve of the record since we both had the same idea for the title of our art. And he liked the music... And he let me use it. So that's the that's how that cover came about. So when it came time to do this cover, I just had a look at other paintings he'd done and kind of fell in love with the creepy creepy one that's on the cover of the new record. It's really creepy a, and it's really yeah, adorable it's, at it's the same like time. A, all the hedges and trees are turning into creatures of the night. Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's but it's really cute in a way too. It's yeah, it it's cute and scary. Yay. Which is a good mix. It's, it's, uh, I like that mix. So again, so you didn't, um, now that you were f- friendly with him, you didn't ask him to create this. You, you just pulled from his, his body of work. Yeah, I just, we, we just had a look through. There was a couple of different paintings that we liked. Uh, the first choice one, um, before we'd seen this, we had another that we thought that was the one. Mm-hmm. And he, he couldn't locate a a good sized version of it. And so I had another look around and I was like, oh my God, that's, this is the one, this is the creepier one. And this is, and it's, um, it's kind of low contrast. So you have to really look at it a little bit. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's fairly dark. It's like sort of midnight blues and, and greens and, um, it's oil. It's an oil painting on canvas, I believe. Oh, wow. So there's actually uh, what looks like, I, I hope when people get the vinyl, I hope this is what happens. It's going to look like somebody ripped off a sticky price tag and ripped it and there's a little white mark. And that's actually some kind of problem with the with the canvas that was scanned. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it comes, it comes pre-aged. Well, that's, yeah, that's distress. They pay extra for that. People now exactly. buy their jeans that are pre-torn and you have the... You know all the furniture that looks old, and so you're exactly. you're, you're right on there. A, a, a trendsetter as as usual, <laughs> of of course. So um, of course I've got you here for you know for guest DJing, and I love your playlist. And I have to um, just want to thank you in advance because it's such a great playlist, and it's a lot oh. of, it's a lot of music that I love, and I don't really play that much because I kind of veer towards really heavier stuff. But there's I'm like oh my god oh 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 so I'm really excited um, to get to that. But I wanted to talk to you just about kind of like your background. Did you grow up in a musical family? Like what what were um, yeah, what were some of your early experiences with music, and when did you start playing an instrument? Um, I grew up um, in a family that listened to records. Uh, my, I, I found out quite recently, actually, that my uh, my actual father, who who I don't consider my dad, he didn't raise me, but his, you know, genetically, 
Um, his dad was a was a guitar player. He used to play in the working clubs in Sheffield, um, and his mum was a singer. So that's probably where it comes from. But mm. my mum's side of the family, nobody was. Uh, I mean, people played the piano and could sing and things, but nobody was sort of a career musician. Um, but we, my mum had a great record collection, um, and as an only child, that was that was my kind of my best friend was was playing her records, and she had a. It was a fairly small but potent collection of lots of greatest hits. Oh, good. Why not? Just go for the gusto. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think I grew up thinking that, you know, if you're going to put a 12, 12 song album out, it's got to be like, have lots of hooks in right. it. Right. Hit after hit after hit after hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we're talking, we put, I'm doing air quotes right now in terms of hit. You're doing um, what? Oh, right, right. Air yes, quotes, yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, back in the day, I think these sorts of songs would have been hits. Oh, yeah. So what was the first record that you bought for yourself? Well, there was, there was, um, think about this. you know what it was? It was Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen. Oh. Yeah. I did own a, a Muppets EP prior to that, but I don't think I bought that with my own money. Mm-hmm. But you did pick that out. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You requested Huge Fozzie Bear fan. <laughs> and I was really happy to see last week on the internet that he topped the uh, sexiest Muppets top five. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Yep. I, so there we go. You know, I always told him. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. I, I guess I'm. I'm missing out on looking at the Muppets in in some <laughs> kind of way. That's um. That is. So. Um, I wanted to ask you, you have, um, well, actually, when did you start playing an instrument? Um, I begged and begged for a guitar. Um, I I actually kind of taught myself guitar on my auntie's um, nylon string acoustic finger slicer. Um, Mm. When I was 11, we went on a, a little road trip in a camper van up to Scotland and we had that in the van, and I had a, my Walkman with a cassette of Beatles. Just sort of worked through that. So I came back from this trip, you know, like I could play a lot of these songs. Um, and then I eventually got my own, actual own guitar. Um, I think I was 13 or 14. What kind of a guitar and, was it? Oh, it was just like a Strat copy. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got an acoustic, and then I traded both of them in for a bass guitar so that I could audition to be in the wedding present. Really? Because that's kind of the thing that you do when you're 17. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? Um, it went, well, my friend was the bass player who was leaving, so I had a heads up because he taught me all the songs. So that was a little bit of a cheat. So they let me, they let me try out, and according to David Gedge, I was the dark horse. <laughs> like they were actually, I sort of made it to like the the final few, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't obviously, obviously didn't get picked. But and, uh, that was that was fun. But what's and, it uh, like? I think I. Go ahead. Sorry, I I tried not to talk over you, but it happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I ended up. Uh, you had to you you went and you played a couple of their songs that you, you knew, so you learned in advance, and then they did this thing where you uh, they 
played you a song that they that was new and you came up with a bass part like on the spot which is the part where i did well i assume uh yeah my dog's agreeing yes um and so i ended up I was like, we didn't, you didn't take me, so I'm going to take that bass line that I wrote and write the song around it. Oh. Which, yeah, which I ended up doing. Very good. Yeah. Nice and Made some lemonade out of those lemons, you know. No, I think that that's awesome that you, you went out to, to be in that band at that time in your life anyway. And what's wrong with being a dark horse? Nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of perfect. Perfect. Hey, so the record um, that's new now, the Later Than You Think, um, is entitled Sally Crew. And mm-hmm. your other releases have been entitled Sally Crew and the Sudden Moves. Yes, that is true. Well, um, actually, no, Back at the Bars is Sally Crew also. Yeah, so. that, was, that, that record was like a little sly um, one that we snuck out. Um, that was digital only with a few CDs. Oh, okay. Because we have a CD um, here at the radio station, so yeah, I didn't it's just kind it. of a, a stopgap thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you still playing with the same people? And why drop the sudden moves moniker? I'm playing with the same people. George Duran is still the drummer, and always will be, as long as he lives, and possibly a little bit afterwards. Mm, that could be interesting. <laughs> and um, Matt Babb, who plays, who's played bass with me since pretty much since I moved to Austin in 2004, um, he's unable to tour. So when, when we think about playing out of town, we recruit a new bass player usually each time. Um, so we've got a few. So it's a bit of a mix. But there's the, the core three people, and then there's sort of some peripheral bass player and extra appendages mm-hmm. um, in the form of other guitar players. And, and Louis Lino is our keyboard player now. Um, he's a great guy. He he plays keyboards live with Not A Surf sometimes. Oh. And he owns the studio where we recorded the record at. Aha. Uh-huh. What studio is and that? It's called uh, Resonate. Hmm. It's here in Austin. And... Uh, yeah, it's a really nice place. Um, and he played keyboards on quite a bit of the record. So he's. I was like, I think you're actually in the band now. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, does it work for you to have sort of a flexible setup? And was it really a conscious thing, dropping the name Sudden Moves? It was, a, yeah, it was a conscious thing. I deliberated so far far longer than anyone would ever imagine over oh. such an inconsequential decision. Um, I, I noticed that the last time we toured as Sally Crew and the Sud Moves, it got to the stage where it was just well known enough in these places for them to just say Sally Crew. And they, it sort of, they gave it a, and the sudden moves, ectomy. So that was one reason. <laughs> also, just, I sort of felt like, well, that this band, Sally Crew and the Sud Moves, has been around now for 10 years. Nobody, nobody, nobody really is. It's not really working. Was my kind of my feeling. It was a darker moment. I must admit. So I thought, let's freshen it up. You know, it, uh, let's just call it what it is. And and I've been also working the last two albums. I pretty much wrote entirely on my own. Um, 
and demoed onto my laptop and did all the parts, except for the drums. And um, it, it was really just more of an actual solo record, even though I had the band play on it in the studio. So in the past, was there more contribution? Um, probably, I just probably wasn't so so much of a dictator about it, because I wasn't, you know, laying down 15 tracks of guitar at home before I'd played the song to anybody. So I just sort of got a little Brian Wilson-y about it, you know. <laughs> this is what I hear, and it has to be this way. I think dicta- dictatory is fine. It's, yeah. It's your music. Well, yeah, and, you Damn know, it. the people I work with, they they always add great stuff and it's really rare that I ever have to say to them eh can you try something else so I need them and they kind of complete you know they ice the cake as it were so no thoughts about touring as a one-woman band like with the like the kind of the the foot pedal drum thing and the harmonica and all that you know it has crossed my mind (laughs) I need a bigger car I have a Miata Oh, okay, okay. Well, I was, um, was going to ask yeah. you what you drive, actually, because you have so many songs about cars. Right now, I drive a yeah a 1993 Mazda MX-5 slash Miata, as they're called here. Is it? Fat? And I don't really drive. I you know I I don't drive very much these days. I don't need to. I don't have a job to go to. So. Uh, I'm, and, and you know, I'm in Austin. It's too it's too hot to go outside for like nine months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm kind of a homebody these days, and I'm loving it. Well, and I did want to ask though. So, your fascination with cars, like car plane references. There's a lot of car and plane references on your. I know. I know. And it wasn't a conscious thing at the time. I do love cars. This is probably the least exciting car I've ever owned. I oh, used to tell me about the be... most exciting car you've ever owned. Oh, well, I had um, I had an Aston Martin at one point. Oh, goodbye, Aston Martin. Okay. Uh, yeah, it hmm. used. It's a, it was a 1974. It used to belong to an English actor called Rowan Atkinson. Oh, awesome. Star of Blackadder. Yes. You, yes, as, yes. Yeah, yes. I can tell from your voice you know who the hell I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I had a couple of MGBs, and I used to I used to go to the racetrack with them. You used to race them, or you used to? Yeah. Oh, you did. No, I used I used to go to racetracks and drive around with other people in old old cars. As part of a race, or you would attend races? No, as part of a race. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's what I kind of thought. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like saying, hey, I used to race cars. Why? Because I probably, I don't know, it sounds like a lie. <laughs> if you used to. And it wasn't really, it was sort of a friendly race, you know. It was like a bunch of people who got sort of 60s or 70s, Sports cars, mm-hmm. which by today's definition are not sports cars at all. They just look nice. They look great. You know, getting together at like Silverstone or Goodwood or Brands Hatch and these, you know, these nice tracks in England. And uh, you race around with other people and you'd get timed. 
but it wasn't really a competitive atmosphere. It was, it was just fun. But it's it all fun, like until, fun. You, until you crash, and it's not so much fun. Well, you, you just don't crash. Well, so, yeah. so, so say this. I used to race cars. I used to race cars. How was My that? name's Sally Crew, and I used to race cars. Does that mean I'm all, actually always going to be a car racer? If you want to be. But you, you know, like in AA, you have to always I, yeah. continue to identify as an addict. I, I don't know if I identify, well, I, my, myself, I don't ascribe to that whole sort of you're stuck with that. Because I, I say you can be anything any day you want to. But um, Well, I'd, I'd be it again tomorrow if I had the, if I had the money. Hmm. So there's that. Well, you could always race for money. I don't know how oh. how how does the Miata move out? Um, you know, it's it's uh, supercharged. It's not too shabby. Hmm. There's some good highways out there in Austin. Yeah, kind of open it up. There are lots of cops as well with guns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are actually. I forgot <laughs> forgot about that. It's not the way it used to be. No, it's certainly not. And and so then any plane, did you used to race planes too, drive <laughs> planes? No, but, you know, I've got to have something to do when I retire. Oh. Um, you know, I think that the whole, like, shortly after takeoff theme and airports, I was traveling a lot. I was recording in Austin when I still lived in London. Mm-hmm. So oh, I was wow. flying. Yeah. And I just, I, I guess there's some kind of romanticism with air travel or the they used to be i was probably trying to pull from a time when that was the case not very romantic now on a plane well it is nice to make those trips a, a positive thing you know yeah i mean yeah. after all we are flying through the air you know, yeah there is. like there's a there's a great louis ck skit about that you're in an armchair in the sky <laughs> yeah. And you're complaining that the Wi-Fi that you didn't know existed a few minutes ago is not working. Yes, I love him. I, I know that one word for word also. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. So, yeah. It is the um, miracle of flight. But it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Speaking of miracles, we're, we're all alive today. Who thought that would happen? There you go. We certainly didn't think about it, but it's nice that it has occurred. Little little things like that. Um, So I just want to look over my... Oh, so who is the Persian Wars? It looks like that you drum in that band. Oh, sneaky, Diane. I don't know. I joined the the band here uh, probably around 2009 or 10, around that period. I'd been drumming on my own and having some lessons and was at the stage where I knew I wasn't going to get any better and I so I actually played with a band. So I just one night went on Craigslist and looked around and these guys were looking and the influences were a good fit. So I went and tried out and they they let me drum for them. So I drummed for them for a couple of years and got it it, it was it was helpful. I got better. Um, and we did an EP. No, we did. Was it an album? We did a whole album. Hmm. And then I, uh, then I left, and then they broke up. Ugh, they crumbled. They crumbled. They were yeah. crushed. Yeah. They were crushed. So. They, said, they said she's gone. 
Mm. Hey, um, you were on the uh, the 2004 FMU compilation uh, tunes on toxic terrain. What um what show did you perform on? That was um Joe Belock's show in 2004. Three. Oh, that's going back. That was I did a I did drive it like you stole it acoustically. Yes. Didn't yes. I? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Was that on Brian Turner's show? I'm, that, actually, that's why I asked you. It it was either him know. or Joe. Oh, okay. Just wondering because you have been a, a a long-standing friend of FMU for over a decade now. I know. Yeah. I have. It it makes me feel old. Oh well, let, let's not have you feel old. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll, um, we'll playing uh, some music. Have you feel younger, perhaps? It always does. All right. Let's go back in time. Yes. So um, you are here to be a guest DJ, and you have a wonderful playlist. Um, and as much as, you know, we can talk about your new record later than you think, which will be out in moments, um, tell me about what you want to play for the listeners, and uh, let's get into your playlist a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of... A, I think anyone who knows my music won't be surprised at any of these choices. Um, but possibly they will, which will be interesting. Um, the first track is, uh, the DBs. It's a song called living a lie. I love the DBs. I love them so much. That's kind of the band that my band is trying to sound like, um, unfailing, but you know, at the core of our essence. (laughs) You and, and your musical family, your sort of outstretched, flexible family wearing like DB's masks. That would be good. <laughs> that would be really nice. I, yeah, I think everybody in, who's ever played in any version of my band is a DB's fan. That's we just a, don't talk about it. We don't have, like, get-togethers about it. It's just there, you know? Maybe you need to talk about it. Maybe we should. This has been very good therapy for me so yeah, far, Diane. I I hope so. <laughs> And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'll have another one up as humanly possible. Of course, I've never claimed to be human. So who knows? Thanks to Liz Berg for handling the podcast duties in-house here at WFMU. And for WFMU, I am Diane Kamikaze. Twitter, Diane Kamikaze, one word, and Kamikaze has an E at the end, not an I. And Instagram, Diane Kamikaze, one word. Regular show is on Thursdays, noon to 3 p.m., at least as of July 2015. Who knows when you're listening to this podcast? Thanks for tuning in.